0: Welcome to SAP Tech Pod. I'm Kay, and this is the podcast where we dive deep into the world of technology, exploring the trends, advancements, and most importantly, how to stay safe in this digital era. I'm your host, and in today's episode, we have a very special guest. We have Jason Martang, an expert in sales engineering and security based in California. And Jason will be sharing his invaluable insights on the importance of tech security raising awareness about potential threats and providing practical advice and tips on what we can do to protect ourselves on our digital lives and this digital era. So without further ado, let's jump right into the conversation. Jason, welcome to my podcast.
1: Okay, how you doing? Thank you so much for having me on.
0: It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Well, could you start by telling us a bit about your background and how you became an expert in sales engineering and security?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, to answer your question, I, I've been in IT, information technology, since I was 17. Uh, I got my first experience as an intern in a law firm in New York City. After that, I went on to get a degree in computer engineering and worked for a very well-known insurance company for a couple of years until I received an opportunity to enter the cybersecurity realm and the the sales slash sales engineering realm together at the same time. And I've been doing that for about 14 years now.
0: Wow, 14 years, that is quite a long time.
1: It is. <laughs> and
0: you not, yeah, not only have the IT experiences, but also the experiences in working in law firm and also in the insurance companies. So it's quite, quite um, a, a vast or a number of experiences. And now you're with the cybersecurity and sales engineering. Um, but could you tell us a little bit more about what is sales engineering in the context of cybersecurity and how it fits into the industry?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, you mentioned something aside from that, the the, the unique concept of, of being a sales engineer, which we'll get into actually exposes me to many different industry verticals across the board. And, and here's why sales engineers have a unique role. So we sell. Yeah. But our main function is to make sure that our clients understand fully how a technology solution will work in their organization before they purchase it. So an easy way to think about this is uh, taking a car for a test drive. You always test drive a car before purchasing it, right? And you don't just buy it blindly. Um, It's the the same in the cybersecurity industry. So trying to secure an organization is a very, very hard task. Um, There are different tools and platforms that exist in order to make that job easier. They do, however, usually cost a premium. So before Mm -hmm. an organization buys a tool, they engage with a sales team and the sales engineer is there to be the trusted advisor and to make sure that the customer fully understands how the solution will meet their needs. Now, the best sales engineers Mm -hmm. also provide value in other ways by offering strategic advice outside the bounds of just a solution that they're selling and this is acquired over years of experience so if i see certain use cases in this industry but it still helped that industry secure themselves i can now advise a different industry or a different customer about my experiences and say hey this is what i've seen been successful in the past and this is essentially what sales engineers are and do
0: yeah, and that's an excellent point. And that's something you can't buy experience. You know, it, it comes with time and uh, you have that that's on your side. And I like the, the test drive a car en- analogy. You know, you got to test something before you buy it. And um, the, your customers would trust you because you're their, you are like, their valued trust advisor because you know your stuff and you have the experience. So given your vast experience, yeah. Expense, yeah. Yeah, it, it's
1: it's a very interesting point because when you say the word sales, people automatically go, oh, right? And, and it's like, I'm trying to sell you something. Yeah, of course, you know, we're trying to sell you something. But in the, the reality is we're trying to help because yeah. the it's it's really, it's a hard task doing things by yourself. Um, and we are looking to try and solve problems
0: yeah. um,
1: and, and help others.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you're the valued advisor, trusted advisor, shall I say. So given your vast experience you must have come across numerous instances where there are security vulnerabilities that um that pose significant risks to the businesses you you speak to. Um, could you share share some shed some light on the importance of tech security in today's world especially in these businesses?
1: Yeah, I mean absolutely. So tech security, the vendor world, everything that we've been discussing so far really exists to help the security practitioner. Mm-hmm. So, like I mentioned, wh- you know, arguably when we talk about tech security, we're looking to mitigate risk. Yeah. And while it can be done manually, it's extremely time consuming. Additionally, technology can help understand key performance indicators, KPIs yeah. and metrics with reporting, which is important to understand, especially when compliance is involved. So, for example... Uh, PCI, payment card industry, makes Mm -hmm. mandates that you have to do certain things and then audit to make sure that it's done right. Uh, Same thing with with HIPAA and and the healthcare side of things. And HIPAA specifically, it's specific to the United States, but you can even think of something uh, uh, like GDPR, right? If your audience is is coming from the EU, that's something that, again, mandates that certain things need to be uh, followed. And Mm -hmm. when you need to report, well, technology is a great way of of doing that and, and helping to to give those metrics, not only to, to, for compliance reasons, but also to your board or anybody who, who needs to understand, are we being effective in mitigating this risk? Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so something, and, and then something, I, this is an easy one to understand, like something as fundament, fundamental as multi-factor authentication. So you might hear this is MFA. Mm-hmm. This is when a user authenticates themselves. So how do I know that, that J Martang is J Martang? Well, I need to authenticate myself. I need to provide either something that I know, something like a password, uh, mm-hmm. something that I have, so a, a a token or you or a unique uh, one-time password. Like when you when you get text messages and they say in your in your website, banking website, say, oh hey, provide this. That's something that you have. It's something unique to you. Mm-hmm. Or the third is something that you are, like a fingerprint or an iris scan. Uh, and when you leverage that together, you have multi factor authentication. Well, that is better leverage with technology. I yeah. mean, it's almost like a necessity. You have to leverage technology to do that. And that's mm-hmm. something that you can implement in your everyday lives, right? All your email accounts, social media accounts, they should all be protected with multi factor authentication. Of
0: course. Wow. Wow. It's, it's, um, it is really important to have um, the security and the layer of the multi-factor authentication. Otherwise, your privacy could be, you know, hacked. Someone could get um, information of you that you don't really want people to sh- to know. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. Would, would, would you say uh, biometric, is that kind of multi-factor authentication, is that kind of the same thing?
1: It's, it's important to understand it's only multi-factor yeah. when it has multiple of those three things something you have something you know and something you are so if you are just using your fingerprint that's not multi-factor because it's only one of those factors you would want to use a fingerprint or iris scan in addition to a password So, and so though having the combination of those two that's what's making it really
0: secure wow Yeah, that's a a lot, a lot to um, absorb for someone who's not from the um, security background. But thank you for sharing that. It's 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 good to know you learn something new every day. Absolutely. 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 But
1: but it's it's something that I think a lot of your listeners are already doing because we've seen this proliferate into the everyday lives of of folks, like, like I mentioned, with banking websites or whichever. And again, even if on your social media, you can turn on multi-factor authentication. If you go to your Facebook or your Instagram or your Snapchat or whatever you're using, you can add that additional layer. You're gonna to have to find it. It's gonna be in your security settings, but you absolutely will, it will be there. And I encourage everyone to do that.
0: Absolutely. Okay, well, um, just on, on a separate topic, well, not quite a separate topic, but still within the security space, what are your thoughts about cloud and um, artificial intelligence. How do you see these technologies impacting the future of cybersecurity? Because today everyone's talking about machine learning, artificial intelligence, there's so much data out there. So how does security come in to secure, you know, the unethical use and so forth?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think what what I would do is I would actually separate them and answer them uh, separately, right? Because yeah, we have sure. cloud and then we mm-hmm. have AI, artificial intelligence. And I and I would say that cloud's already here. So we're we're using underlying cloud technology with social media, when we stream stuff and we watch movies, even when we listen to podcasts, that's all underlying cloud technology. And mm-hmm. you know, when we order a car through Uber, right? That's leveraging cloud. And really at the end of the day, cloud allows companies and organizations to be more flexible and agile in their development of products and applications, and I would expect this to increase as time goes on. And at the, it's funny because one of my colleagues the other day just said, "Look, remember, there is no cloud. You're just using someone else's computer." And it's true, right? When you, if you're an if you're an Apple user, or an iPhone user, when you store things in iCloud, or you're all you're doing is taking your data. And storing it in Apple's cloud, which means it exists on Apple's infrastructure somewhere in the world. Yeah. Um, When you, again, when you're watching something on streaming, whatever service you're using, it exists somewhere just outside. You don't own it anymore. It's coming from somewhere else. Now, why that's important is because data now goes everywhere and and it makes it a challenge when you're accessing data as an organization, you need to be very careful with who has access to that, as well as how is this data exposed? Do I have the right access control to that data? And a lot of the breaches that have that have transpired over the last couple of years have transpired because the access control wasn't tight. And I'm not saying it's easy to do, right? This is again, why technology and vendors exist to help security practitioners understand where that data lives, in the cloud, as well as who has access to that data, and then trying to make sure that policies are tight—it's again, it's challenging. Now, that's from the cloud perspective, and let me take a pause there to see if you have any follow-up questions or comments there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with you because that's absolutely right. What you're saying, you're, you hit the nail right on the head cloud is using someone else's infrastructure and it's so vast it's the telecommunication out there and um, it's the technology that we all use even like you said we're using uh, the podcast we send information emails everything is on the cloud and it's just so wide and vast so i've not got anything else to add or um, i agree 100 percent with you
1: cool well, yeah. so then that transitions now into like almost the next the next phase of things, right? AI, artificial intelligence, and it adds another dynamic leveraging extreme automation to get yeah. tasks done. And this yeah. actually concerns me greatly in the cyber world um, yeah. because we've already seen AI used to generate polymorphic malware. And, and let me explain my like malware. That's malware that can change dynamically. And while there are a ton of benefits to AI, we must realize that there's two sides to the coin. So yes, things may get easier and quicker, but this also means that threat actors, attackers will use it for nefarious means. Uh, And this actually creates more of a burden on security practitioners. And they already arguably have a very tough job. We call it in the industry, we call it dwell time that that we're concerned with. Dwell time is the time at which an attack begins up until which the uh, the attack is detected and in that time before it's detected attackers are just on the network they're doing reconnaissance they're doing whatever and that's hard you want to minimize that dwell time but now imagine adding ai from uh, a nefarious perspective and being able to leverage all the automation that comes with that oof i mean it's it's only gonna make security practitioners jobs a lot harder and look i'm not saying we shouldn't use ai right i think like anything i mean look Mm -hmm. the internet's great right but there's a lot of bad things on the internet too but we don't get rid of the internet i think Mm -hmm. it just requires us to understand what those risks are and realize that our our security practitioners people who are trying to keep our network safe or whatever they already have a tough job and we need to help them how do we do that well we help them by being aware of the issues and making sure that funding is there so that we can uh, develop appropriate security programs that that has to come from the top down meaning you know our executives
0: yeah yeah and the layer of security because you know i think um in my opinion the cloud and ai intertwines because um ai exists because the data that's stored on the cloud whether it's private cloud or public cloud there's so much data the internet of things is the machine learning of all these data and um it just yeah like you said it just could 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 gather all these data and it creates that burden on the the security practitioners because you know we have to have that layer of how do we stop unethical use and how do we stop people stealing data and so on and so forth does that make Ste- sense? That's yeah. Oh, yeah. Ste- stealing, it.
1: stealing data or even worse, encrypting mm-hmm. it in, in like yeah. ransomware attacks, which is
0: like you just said, the malware. Oh, yeah.
1: It's yeah. so damaging. It, it's really so damaging.
0: So having that security layer, like a company like uh, yours, having that, um, that tool to help prevent that uh, kind of uh, theft or um, virus um, getting spread that that is why a company like yours exists?
1: It's it's re- the reason why I would say every security company exists. And, mm-hmm. it and you know, the, the field and, like I said, cybersecurity is so broad because yeah. there's, first off, there's just policy management, right, which is the overarching layer that governs everything. And then there's things like multi-factor authentication, which I previously mentioned, which is in the identity space. There yeah. is security information event management that we call SIM, which is about log management and being able to attest to what's happening and be able to correlate information to to uh, bring odd, or I should say, um, information that is out of the ordinary, have that bubble up and alert and make sure that we can take action when we see things that are out of the ordinary. Um, and then there's a company like, like Pantera, who I work for now, which our goal is to actually test all of the controls, the different technologies, we want to test it. By Mm -hmm. acting and behaving like the attacker and allowing security practitioners to now say, oh, we invested this technology here, this technology there. How do we know it's working right? We got to test it. How do we test it? We have to behave like the attacker. And that's what I am currently doing in my role Mm -hmm. is helping organizations actually do that. So they know that the millions of dollars or whatever that they've invested is actually working correctly and effectively.
0: Excellent. That's really an excellent point, Jason, thank you. But what do you think are the common threats people may encounter and how do they recognize them? So we mentioned, yeah, about viruses, the malwares and so forth, but um, apart from that?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, I think that everyone, everyone is a target, right? Mm -hmm. Why do I say that? Everyone is a target because they have something valuable to the attacker, which is their identity. Right. If I can compromise your identity, I can be you and you will have certain accesses and certain rights to certain things. Now, whether or not, you know, if I'm if I'm Joe Schmo and I work for an organization, but I have a certain role, that information that I have access to every day might be valuable to the attacker because I can use it somewhere else or I can use it to get around in the organization. In everyday yeah. lives as well, it's important because I can now Joe Schmo goes home and then logs on to his bank or does other things. And maybe Joe Schmo has great credit score or maybe Joe mm-hmm. Schmo has certain has Bitcoin in his wallet. Whoa, right. I mean, this is yeah. when I can compromise someone's identity. I can then act as them. And most often it's financially related. And and it'll go. Attackers will go after that because it's it's a quick win.
0: Yeah, scary thought to think about that. Then. So it's scary, it's better but prevention it than cure. It? Yeah. I agree. Yeah.
1: Oh, it happens more so, often than you think. And I agree with you, right? An ounce of prevention is w- worth a pound of cure. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, thank you very much for outlining the, the, those threats, uh, Jason. I think I feel I could chat, go on. this chat can go on forever because it's just it's just so interesting it's just so much to talk about um and i think um it, it has to exist the secure the security has to exist because of the vast data the vast amount of um things that are on the internet we've just have to make sure that we we have the right tools to secure ourselves from you know, being being uh, hacked or someone, like you said, stealing your identity. But uh, now that we understand some of the risks involved, do you have any advice or tips that you can provide to my listeners to enhance their tech security, mainly on their everyday lives, like at work or, you know, Internet banking or something like that?
1: Yeah. And and it's you know what? When you take into consideration the mindset that I'm going to bring forth here. It'll help not only with their everyday work lives, but with their everyday personal lives also. And it sounds a little bleak and grim, and I don't want it to. But you have to be a little paranoid. You have to remain vigilant. And it it is also understanding that you might think that it does, you don't your identity doesn't matter to to someone, but I guarantee you, it matters to the attacker. The attacker can do something with your identity, even if you're part of a greater scheme. It You need to be vigilant. So what do I mean by that? Doing little things like implementing multi-factor on your, the accounts that matter, your financial accounts, your email accounts, your social media accounts, making sure that you just don't click on random links, like in your email or on your phone. And that includes emails you get at work. You should not be clicking on links at any, ever, anytime, ever. And I say that because I know that phishing is phishing of course is a social social engineering attack in which an attacker will send a message that looks real try and get you to click a link and it'll either try and capture your credentials or bring you to a uh, fake website but being aware you have to have that healthy level of paranoia and saying is this real is this real right i get a voicemail from someone or a text message from someone with a link i immediately respond and go is this you being vigilant like that and making sure and just Always being alert and say, "Hey, someone might be after me. Someone might be, uh, you know, trying to scam me." When you when you have that healthy level of paranoia, you'll be surprised at how often you you'll 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 switch into a mindset and say, "Oh, I need to be careful here," and that goes a very long way. It goes a very long way in your personal lives, and it also goes a very long way in your organizations because then your security team, you're doing them a favor by trying to be be diligent. You're being part of the solution instead of being part of the problem. And that would be my recommendation to anybody, is make security a part of your being. The same way you put locks in your house, you want to you wanna extend that to your digital identity and your digital footprint.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Jason. Those are valuable tips. And investing in tech security is an investment in your privacy and financial well-being and peace of mind, I would say. So having an antivirus on your computer or like like you said, um, not even clicking on any links that you might get on your on your email or your your, your message or your text message on your phone. Just being being paranoid, a, a healthy level of
1: paranoid. <laughs> healthy yeah. level of paranoia. I don't want to, I don't want anybody <laughs> to lose sleep, but I definitely want people to remain vigilant and understand that um, a quick a, a, a quick misstep and yeah. and not disclosing information. You should never be disclosing information to anybody unless you initiated, right? Someone's going to call you. Oh, it's, I'm from the credit card company. No, you're not. You call the credit card company first. You look at the back of your card. You call their number first. You now know that you're calling the, this is the secure line. Things like that can go a very, very long way.
0: Absolutely, Absolutely. So um, Jason, thank you very much. Uh, but before we wrap up, um, this enlightening conversation, security is really, really key and important today. Is there anything else you can add or you'd like to add to my listeners
1: yeah i think i think i just close it with what i said before right start incorporating this into your everyday into your everyday life and if i could get just one person one person to implement multi-factor use google authenticator on your email your oh i mean that that to me would I, i would go through the roof because that is that means at least one person has secured their information. Um, So that's what I would encourage everybody to do. It takes five minutes, if that, to do that. So go ahead and do it.
0: Good, thank you, Jason. Really, I really appreciate you sharing your expertise and your valuable insights with us today. And it has been an incredibly enlightening conversation. To our listeners, make sure to apply these practical tips and stay vigilant in the digital world. Stay tuned for my next episode, where we'll continue our exploration of fascinating tech topics. But until then, this is Kay signing off. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. Bye for now.